One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, hello everybody, welcome to a special edition of Streets Ahead podcast. I know it's been a while since we've podded recently. Adam can't make it today, which I think is the first time we've been deserted yeah, by Adam. It's the first time ever, yeah. Adam is unwell, so poor guy. He feels bad, but he can't make it to London today, so it's yeah. just us two. All right, well, I don't Actually know. Actually, three. Well, it's going to be three. Well, I'm saying we've got a special guest <laughs> filling in for Adam and probably much more interesting in a way than Adam. So it'll be, it's, it's me. I'm, I'm Ned Bolting. You are? Laura Laker. And our special guest today, and I'll tell you where we are because that's key to it yeah. in a second, but our special guest is Alison Gowman, who's the author of The City of London, who... I've got now. Who? What? Why? That is the voice of Alison Gowan. That's what she sounds like when she uses her voice. Now then, I'm going to paint a picture of words here. I am in a part of the city of London with Laura and Alison that I have literally never been into. Well, not right here. But we are a stone's throw from what I consider to be one of the most distinctive and probably not in a good way roundabouts in all of London. <laughs> which bottom I, 10 roundabouts. One yeah. In the bottom 10 roundabouts, possibly in the world, which always <laughs> seems to have, whichever way I go around it on my bike, a howling wind that kind of like hits you flat in the face. And it's London Wall, isn't it? That's yeah. where we are. Yeah, we're yeah. by London Wall. We're near the Barbican and we're, we're near one of the livery halls. At which point, we've probably run out of our yeah. expecti- expertise, yeah. so I'm going to put that question to, to Alison, who's going to give us a guided tour of this area and explain why this fits into the agenda of Streets Ahead yes. podcast and how it relates to yes. active travel, past and present. And Alison, we should say, is an alderman or older woman of the City of London. I don't know what an older person does. Yeah. Well, I'm an elected alderman, I call myself, mm-hmm. simply because I'm Gowman, alderman. It just really worked like, for me. <laughs> but I'm an elected member of the City of London Corporation, the Court of Common Council. So I'm elected by the people who live and work in the city. And the bit of the city I represent is called Dowgate Ward. And we're not in Dowgate Ward, we're in Aldersgate Ward. And all these gates, you might realise, they were the ancient gates to the City of London. Mm. And Aldersgate is where we are now, just off Aldersgate Street, right in front of Ironmongers Hall, which is a wonderful ancient-looking hall, although it was actually only built in the 1920s. I was going to say, it's 20th century, isn't it? It's yeah. spectacular, and it absolutely resonates to the, the role of the Ironmongers livery. Mm. But I think what we're going to do is sneak up behind Ironmongers Hall, up a little footpath, and take ourselves up into the air. 
well, that is a teaser, if ever. <laughs> so let, let's, let's do that. And we're going to do that thing that you do in podcasts and, and edited you know, content where you jump forward in time with a simple edit. <laughs> so we're coming up behind and uh, wow. coming up into... So there's quite a lot of bits of the barbican which are very green. You can see there, this is the girls' school playing ground, the girls' school in the middle of the barbican. Wow. And that's their playing ground. They've got a hockey stroke football pitch there. So just to explain now, we've walked away from Ironmongers Hall and we are now walking on to... Remind me what decade the Barbican building was built in? Well, it was, it was opened in the late 60s, early 70s. It took an awfully long time to be built for various reasons. I can imagine, yeah. So classic Barbican, for those of you who know what it looks like, it's a, there's a lot of that kind of very rough, unfinished-looking concrete, tiled walkways. We've gone up two flights of stairs, and but the sort of like spectacular site of the Barbican central courtyard is kind of revealed to us now with everybody's flats there and it's the tradition of residents of the Barbican isn't it that they just grow these wonderful window boxes. They have an obligation to actually have a window box which shows that not absolutely everybody has. This isn't the central square, the central square is really around the Barbican centre, the arts centre but we're looking over a wonderful sports pitch which is used by the City of London School for Girls and there are also two or three tennis courts here as well which are open to the public to book and use as well so yeah it's a great vista and lots of greenery and birds you can hear twittering. Excellent. Do tell us a little bit about, what would you describe this, this walkway that we're on? What's the sort of technical word for it? Well, the technical word for this is a pedway. The City of London Corporation, post-war, when the Barbican was being planned, decided that they wanted to build pedways. And it's not difficult to understand. They're pedestrian walkways and it's been sort of scrunched together and it's not used in common parlance what usually we talk about is the high walk and you'll see some of the street signs around here and they say high walk um, with names and was this at the time architecturally completely revolutionary was this something that hadn't been sort of done before or where did they get where did they draw their inspiration from for it do you think well i think the the whole of the barbican center which was uh, a designed as a result of an architectural competition and as I understand it the three architects who were bidding amongst others said if they won it they'd work together so Chamberlain, Bonn and Powell were individuals who then decided to work together and they were very much influenced by the Bauhaus architectural movement and also you know communal living Corbusier also these are very reminiscent of that when it was built and completed it was the most intensely densely occupied part of of Europe. Wow. And also the tower blocks, there are three tower blocks, were also the highest residential-only blocks in Europe. And this this was um, really high-tech stuff, wasn't it? Because even though the concrete looks rough, there's a lovely documentary about this, and um, even though the concrete looks rough, they got these um, Italian craftsmen in to kind of finish this structure in the way that it looks today but it does kind of look very sort of roughly hewn but it was very futuristic at the time wasn't it this was kind of what cities of the future might look like in the 50s and 60s it was a complete village in itself there were there's a fire station here there's a doctor's surgery here there were shops here Mm. most of those sadly have now Mm. closed down for various reasons but it is a bastion i mean it is barbican means you know a fortification Mm. on the wall and it was meant to be a complete village which is why the pedways kept it sort of very much united in itself although the pedways spread out 
or intended to spread out through the rest of the city. Mm. But there are also other little indications. There's a bit which looks very much like a drawbridge. Uh, obviously, it's a concrete bridge, so it can't be updrawn or drawn up, but it is meant to in- indicate that we are in a, an isolated island area. And the, the dream was at the time that people would be walking around the city on these structures. And when it was built, the, I think a third of the city of London had been destroyed in the Second World War. And so they were starting with a fresh slate and they kind of imagined this new world where people would be walking around on the first floor around the city. Yeah, you've got it absolutely right, Laura. This was 44 acres of, of destruction just north of London Wall, which is now a busy two-lane highway which I, I think we should go and have a look there because that will give you the, the view of how this was built up north of the wall and what the impact of that wall was if we could. Let's, go. Let's do that. So we just walked along the John Wesley High Walk out of the, the square that we were in and we're passing the, the Museum of London which many 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 of you will know. I remember taking my kids there, to kids there when they were little and loving it but last few years it's been it's been closed hasn't it to the public it closed in december of last year it's only been it's only been closed a few months and of course the museum of london in docklands is still open brilliant to visit as well so just outside the front door of the museum there is this rotunda roundabout which uh, i think laura felt was you know difficult to navigate if you're on the street (laughs) outside but when you're inside it it's a lovely garden it's It's got a great sweep with this wonderful horse chestnut tree and what's really interesting is that actually underneath it there's that you can see a door leading the museum actually stores a lot of its archaeological remains including its 20,000 skeletons bodies that it has by way of a collection they have one of the largest osteoarchaeological collections of a museum indeed and they're obviously bodies that have been excavated in archaeology digs all around London over the last million years (laughs) wow that's amazing that's a great fact so that's what this is where they come this is where they're stored because the Museum of London is the sort of the archive for all of these items and, and it's a big issue because we've now got to decide where we're going to store them with moving to Smithfield and making sure that oh, we're... That what's happening to the museum? I didn't realise okay. The Museum of London is moving its site to West Smithfield, yes. Oh, OK. And uh, the building works, so it, it's a refit of a wonderful building that's there which was used as a, the meat market and the poultry market has been empty for 20-odd years now. And so the museum is going to breathe life into that part of the Smithfield Museum and that whole area by Farringdon Station. So I'm go- sort of going out on a limb here because I, I think this is mind-blowing. You know, we... we From the outside, this is not an attractive building. The the, the exterior space is quite intimidating. And, you know, the design around it is not anything that you want to celebrate. But you step in... Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It's given over to, as you said, two-lane sort of like uh, road that goes past. It's always busy. But step inside and it is a hidden world, isn't it? So, but is that part of the reason? Because some of this architecture is designed to sort of replicate that idea of village life sort of tucked away and connected with itself, that some of it turns its back a little bit on the rest of the city around it. And was that one of the reasons why perhaps the the Museum of London space didn't work terribly well here, because it's upper upper level and slightly inaccessible looking, or you'd have to know that it was there almost? Or am I I sort of reading too much into it? No, you're right. The main entrance to the Museum of London is at the Pedway level, the High Walk level. And although there are six entrances to it on the street below, which all say Museum of London with a big arrow, somehow people arrive here and do not see those entrances. I remember my first visit, exactly that. How do we actually get in? And that's a shame. And and the museum, obviously we've been, the museum has been 
been here. I'm a governor of the museum. We have been here for you know 20 or 30 years. So we, we've we've survived. We have a huge. We had a huge footfall of visitors in person, obviously over the many years. So it has worked. But clearly in Smithfield, I mean, one of the design features of the new museum is that it's going to be permeable from all sides, from from Farringdon Station with all of those train links. But people walking through, walking by, it's going to be the exact opposite of here, which can feel a little bit remote and and above the the, the public uh, the public access. Yes, indeed. And that's part of the problem with the Pedway which is that buildings like the Museum of London, but if we move along in a minute, 125 London Wall effectively had two entrances at ground floor and at this pie walk level. And so what did you do? Double security? Who was coming in where? What was going on? Mm. It made it a very confusing uh, way to read the street scene. Um, <laughs> bits of it are a little bit bleak. It's not like the um, High Line in New York, is it? Um, but, it, you know, because there's no plants on it. It's a sort of very sort of hard... I don't know, it's just tiles and glass and concrete. Although it's a traffic-free space, it really kind of lacks a soul. I think that was part of the problem with it. I don't know if you feel the same, Alison, or if I'm just being rude about your pedways. Yeah, you're just being (laughs) super rude about where she lives here. No, but I love the barbican, it's beautiful, (laughs) but these pedways are kind of... They don't, I don't know, there's the, these plants. So <laughs> I, I can't deny that these pedways are, are basic in a sense, as you say, the tiles, steel, concrete, railings. But we're going to go and see the new pedways in a minute and you'll be surprised. And anyway, from this view here, on the right, although we've got this double lane highway and the bus going by, on the left, we're looking down on an original bit of the London Wall. Oh, yeah. We're looking down on another livery hall, the Barber's Hall. They've got a special, they're barber surgeons, which means that they're involved in medicine, and they've got a physic garden hidden in the wall wow. that's there, which you can go and walk through and walk down. Oh, wow, healing plants. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a lovely area of green grass and able to play in and enjoy. And they've not mowed it, so it's all lovely and uh, biodiverse. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Fairly recently, I was in Monaco. I don't know if you know Monaco very well. I don't. Um, <laughs> but I was... Um, I'm weirdly reminded of it because Monaco has got lots of these pedways. It's built, you know, it's very, very steep, actually. So there's lots of um, escalators and lots of steps. And also these pedways sort of take you from what feels like public space through private space. And so it's quite confusing. You think, am I actually in a, someone's office block here? Or, and it feels a bit like this. So you've got this kind of curious intermingling of what feels like you're in a shopping centre or an office but actually, it's a kind of public highway. Well, I think you, you actually put your, put your finger on a really good point here, because when it comes to mending the tiles, which there's red tiles all the way around the Barbican, and the residents want them mended, and then the city says, well, it's, is it Barbican, or is it city walkway, or is it highway, or is it pavement? So it's not just me who's confused. And, and there are quite a lot of those sort of arguments. So we've got this yellow line, which was originally drawn to lead everybody from the station to the Barbican Centre. Do you remember when the Barbican, the Arts Centre opened, everybody said nobody can find their way? <laughs> they painted the yellow line. It's rather faded now, isn't it? Yeah. But it's still there. But where, it's been, where the tiles and the um, flooring has had to be changed, there's now an argument. Who's going to repaint it? Is it the Barbican Centre going to have to repaint it? Or is it the adjoining owners or is it the corporation so that's why you can see it's faded and not quite there but there are still roundels in the floor that point to the Barbican Centre and and with an arrow so we know which way we're going 
Right, now we're turning right onto St Alphage. Is that your plant? It's St Alphage? Yep. High Walk, EC2, and this is brand spanking new. Yeah. We've got plants, we've got plants. So this was a walkway. Well, actually, this was really a sort of a podium, and actually it was very... I've lived here 20-plus years, and even in my time there was a pub here which was really not very well used. There was an out-of-date NatWest bank. So it was a really dull area. I agree with you. This area was dull. And suddenly, it's been redeveloped. So this is London Wall Place now. Three new wonderful buildings. And they've had to replace. And it's wonderful. They've replaced the walkway, the pedway. And we've got this lovely green wall on our left. And I was... And I was lovely. dubious when it was first planted. I thought, oh, will it stay? Will it be kept up? And it's still looking wonderful. It's, oh, it's fabulous, yeah. Really good time of year to see it as well, with everything in flower the way it is. Yeah. Lovely. This building was built. This was encased in a car park. I can't believe it. This you could just... Well, you, yeah, you could just see it. There was a whole wall. You, you walked along London Wall and you saw a, you know, a, a, a concrete wall, I'm afraid. And they've opened it all up into these lovely gardens... This development is fantastic. There's a little cafe down there as well. And, and St. Alvage Tower is a Norman, is it Norman or something like that? A Norman Tower? Looks like it, doesn't it? Well, it's got a pointy bit, so I think it might be more Gothic than Norman. But St. Alphage was a, yeah. uh, an Anglo-Saxon saint, and there aren't many St. Alphage churches around the place, but there is one, yeah. one here, and it's obviously now a ruin. But it, it's a lovely setting, and... Although we can hear drilling in the background because there's development happening across the road uh, and there is a busy road in between, but it can still feel very quiet and peaceful over here. OK, so this, this pedway is, a dire, is you know, obviously part of a new... When was this all completed? This, 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 2018, this, 20, I think. Something like that, 2018, so four or five years ago. But clearly inspired by the original architects of Barbican. So they've taken the lessons there and sort of given it a modern twist and actually a bit of an improvement. Yeah. To be honest, the, there was a previous design for this area and a major bank, were, an American bank, were going to move here. And they said, we don't want all these walkways and lots of members of the public walking through because we, we think it will be a security risk for us. And of course, the Barbican residents were absolutely adamant that, that it is actually their route into the city at this high walk level. And so we were insistent and that bank withdrew from actually the whole building project here. I think Because of the Pedway issue? They said Amongst it was, others. They said it was because of the residents, but I think they'd already got cold feet and wanted to change their minds. But we're very pleased that the redesign with these lovely pedways that wind in and out, they don't intrude on the security, and they are just a delight because they've reimagined them for a modern era. And you can just spot there, there's one that doesn't just go stops. anywhere. I just noticed it. So what, like, just branching off to a, about 50 yards ahead of us, mm. branches off to the right. There's actually a hoarding where you can't, to prevent us getting onto it. But there's a, there's a bedway that just kind of, like, shoots out over the road and stops in thin air, um, like a really, really painful-looking diving board, if you... <laughs> but obviously that's going to be connected with something that's going to go up in that space until you know nine months ago it was connected to that building that was there and i walked over it regularly but the point is that building there is now being knocked down but when that building is built up again it'll be be back there again and that's what happened to the pedways that after they were developed and and they there wasn't a full scheme and and lots of buildings were built 
on the basis that they would be connected but they didn't always get connected so there was a bit of a disjuncture of wishes and outcomes there and what has been happening you know since the 80s and 90s developers haven't wanted the the walkways so there were used to be some over Bishopsgate and they're not there anymore and so they you know the, the main ones that really still survive in great profusion and are regularly used and, and worthwhile are all these around the the Barbican area to the Barbican Centre and across yeah. into can London. I, can I play devil's advocate with this slightly yep. I remember visiting I keep talking about exotic places I've visited yeah. I remember visiting Tehran a while ago and Tehran's not unique in this respect but Tehran is riddled it's got a massive traffic congestion problem it's got huge highways that lead in and out it's a massive city and pedestrians are pushed up into the air so if you want to cross one one of these arterial roads you have to walk on one of these very steep bridges pedestrian bridges that go over because that nothing can interrupt the flow of traffic underneath there's something of that in this concept there's Mm. something of like Mm. pedestrians are an inconvenience to the motor traffic stick them up in the air do you see what i'm getting at i I think you're absolutely right i think that's how london you know we after the war you know business was booming again you know after 10 years or so and everybody had a car and everybody wanted to come into london by car that's why this london wall road is built it's not called road but it's london wall it's a road it's double lane traffic both ways the same with upper and lower thames street you know they're major arteries to get through and across london and because you didn't want to interrupt that you had the the pedway bridges over them and and although in a sense people could feel safe because I'm away from the traffic as soon as the pedway system wasn't there everywhere of course people had to go back down onto the pavement and then you had that conflict which thankfully now the city corporation has really been innovative in the way it's had its transport strategy it's widening pavements it's creating cycle lanes you know in line with transport for London but they want to do more of that because of our I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people who commute in every day, all of them end up walking on the street somewhere. We need to have space for them. Yeah. And the, the pedways are fine for some walking, but we need pavements as well. And, and the, the strategy that the city corporation is planning and consulting on at the moment is, is really to make sure that we make it a livable, healthy, walkable city. Yeah, mm. we can, um, yeah, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear more about that. I, um, I think I've read um, just one more thing about the... Um about kind of how all this came about. So I understood that the traffic engineers kind of got the first dibs on on the reconstruction of this area. And so they built the dual carriageways and it was very much the idea that one, pedestrians would be safer if they were raised, but also they would be out of the way of traffic. But I think that people didn't want to go up to then go down because although it was a lovely idea I think the learning was that actually people do the easiest thing which is stay on the le- on the ground level and people would make dashes across the dual carriageway where they weren't supposed to and apparently there were even kind of lumpy pavements to stop people from walking and they still sort of found ways to use them there was just this really strong desire it's interesting and really strong desire just to not have to climb a set of stairs and so the, yeah the businesses on the first floor on the pedways didn't really take off and then eventually fade and I guess this, I guess the Museum of London is the last one but I think what this new section does is it's more like a linear park more like the kind of high line thing yep. it's it's got the seating it has this wonderful curve it's got this wood which is lovely. a lovely it's much color. softer isn't yeah. it yeah. yeah and it and it's surrounded by greenery and it's a place where you can get up away from the hustle and bustle of the street and and sit and enjoy and it is very peaceful it's lovely mm. right, so i feel a bit conflicted about it i think on the one hand it's a bit of a cop-out on the other hand it's wonderful yeah. i mean but I, you know now you've mm. now you've shown me that it's here i'm going to remember it and i'm going to come here make yeah. an active active point to come here and show people it's 
And I do wonder whether it's got potential to be sort of rolled out way beyond the reach of just this little pocket of, of the city of London. Because well, it is it's, it's special, isn't it? Yeah, and the, the, there's a Peckham High Line. Yeah. Is, it, is that what it's called? Anyway, yeah, it's, it's on a... Camden High Line that's Camden being planned as well, as well on yes. a railway line, yep. Yeah, so um, these kind of linear parks, and it does give you a different view of the city. You're slightly above it, and it's quite wonderful, actually. But Clearly being enjoyed by people as well. I mean, we've seen kids riding bikes up here. We've seen, yeah. you know, just tooting along. Yeah, it's busy, isn't it? People coming and going to, to and from the theatre and the Barbican. So, I mean... Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a little bit of flex on it. That's kind of cool. So the city of London is doing some positive stuff, walking and cycling. You've got this new strategy that you're um, consulting on. Wasn't Laura, aren't I right in saying that a few months ago the city revealed that mm, the, the biggest modal share is yeah. now cycling? Yes. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. It was um like buses, so more people on bikes than buses? Yes. Yeah. Good Lord. That's, do they count yeah. a bus as one or do they count it as the number of people on the bus? I'm good like question. I good question. It. I think you don't know. No one knows it, Laura. <laughs> I should know this. Either um, way, it's, it's quite a startling breakthrough for mm, bikes, mm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and a huge number of pedestrians as well. And Bank Junction was closed to through traffic a few years back, wasn't it? In fact, almost to the day, two weeks ago in 2018, maybe? Was it around then? I, I mean, it's certainly around that time, yes. We've, we closed it to anything other than cycles and buses between the major part of Monday to Friday. So I never remember whether it's 6.30 or 7, seven in the morning, seven. till se- or 7 till mm. 7, yeah. yeah. And uh, so all the other kinds of transport, you know, cars, vans, taxis, etc., all had to take a different route. You drew a bit of heat from the London Taxi Drivers Association, I seem to remember. There was quite a lot of concern (laughs) about it at the time, and there still is. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people feel that it needs reviewing, and and the City Corporation promised and are reviewing it again to actually see how we can improve it. But there are more works happening there. So there was a first phase, and there's a second phase now, which includes actually closing two of the arms as it's a seven road junction so we're closing two of the arms so there won't be so much cross traffic but in the morning when people spill out of bank station you know onto the streets onto the pavements they swarm basically they you know there's not enough room on the pavements, so that's why we're extending the pavements so that they don't have to get pushed into the road good yeah um, there was a stat actually about the closure being seven till seven of 100 collisions between 2010 and 2014, 75% of them were between 7am and 7pm. And I think at the time the um, evidence was that if you allowed taxis through at that time it would cause further injuries. And at the moment you can get to all the points on the junction arm, you just can't drive through it. And actually it was faster to go around it than it was to go through it because there's six arms and each one doesn't get quite enough time. I don't know, personally I think it would be a shame if they rolled back on any of those safety improvements. Mm. Well, we're possibly getting a little bit off subject now. Should, should we walk on? Yeah, anyway. So, yeah, so now there's a new plan to improve walking and cycling. And I wonder, I'm curious, because the City of London's interesting. I think 80% of your wards don't have any residents. And so business, is that right? I, I don't know the specific number. I mean, my ward has got 25 residents. So, you know, you might say that's not many, but to me, they're quite important people and individuals. Yeah. I don't know. There are 25 wards in all. I think 80% of them not having residences too high, but yeah. there's, there's probably, you know, 50% that don't perhaps, okay. yeah. yeah. And um, so uh, businesses are very important in, in terms of um, what they want is very important to the City of London. And I wonder to what extent businesses are asking for more pedestrian and cycle space for their employees. 
Well, I'm the chair of um, an organisation that the city, or a group really, the city has set up called the Active City Network. And that's a stakeholder group with businesses coming together to talk on a regular basis with our transport team. And, and I chair that as you know, an, an active member in this area. And I'm very keen that they, we do hear what they say. They've had two consultations directly, that group, on the transport strategy. And they've, uh, they've voiced their views. Uh, perhaps it may not be surprising the people who are on the Active City Network group are people who are very keen to promote active travel. Um, that's perhaps in its name. But they're, they're a very active and uh, informed group. They have their own you know, cycling groups within their companies. They promote it in their businesses. And uh, I think they're, they're, they're a good way that we can get uh, to hear from people directly. Because people are consulted and they often don't even turn up to consult, I'm afraid. That's the trouble. We're back in the Barbican now. Yeah, we've gone back into the 1960s. Well, I just yeah. wanted to say we've just crossed over what I call the drawbridge. So if you looked at it from the side, it would look like it's sloped down. And if you looked at it from the side, you think it's the drawbridge. But of course, we can't lift it. But I suppose we could block it off, couldn't we? If we were going to be uh, uh, independence. <laughs> <laughs> Passport to Pimlico. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. Yeah. What do you think the Barbican can tell us about kind of making pedestrian friendly spaces? Well, I mean, I think the Barbican has been an extremely successful residential development. I mean, that's no two ways about it. People live here for a long time. It is a very sort of diverse residency here with you know, old people, young people, singles, families. Lots of children are brought up here. Lots of children brought up here are now coming back to live here in their own right. So it's a fantastic place that people can be and they feel safe here. I mean, it's so low in crime. There's no crime. People wanted CCTV cameras here. And then the police said, well, actually, there's no crime. So you can't really just put CCTV cameras anywhere. You only have to prove that they're needed in order to counter crime. So, uh, you know, that feels very a very safe place to be. And that includes walking around these high walk pedways, you know, at night. Not least because it's very echoey. So if anybody was following you, you'd hear them <laughs> clopping behind you. It's also quite hard to find your way around. Do you think it's hard for thieves to get in? It's like, it is like a fortress I do sometimes think, if ever I'm sort of slightly scary, I think, well, I'll know all the ways to, to disappear, which they'll never, <laughs> ever find. <laughs> and also, as a resident, you have a key into all the blocks, so you could always use your key and get into a block and hide while anybody was there. But honestly, it never happens. You know, it's, it's really not something that one should be worried about if you were thinking of moving here. I, mean, I have to say, it's a very peaceful scene. We've stepped a little bit away from the road now. We're more into the heart of the Barbican, and... And, you know, it's late afternoon sun. It's a lovely, lovely warm evening. First real warm evening of the summer. And the sun's just this kind of lovely golden colour now, just illuminating the trees that separate the new block from the original Barbican. And just passing under those window boxes again just now, as we crossed over the, the drawbridge, I had no idea that you were obliged. I think that's absolutely extraordinary. So I'm going to go and rat on all the people who aren't uh, watering their geraniums. So let's take a right here and then just move into the sort of garden area of the Barbican. Lovely. One thing that occurred to me about the modern world and how this kind of intersects with the modern world is Google Maps. How does Google Maps cope with these pedways? Do they exist? Like, are they, if I put in a walking route, would it tell me to go up a You know, that could be, that's an area of complication. I bet they haven't really... This is why all the maps, when you come into the Barbican and you look at a map on the wall thinking, where am I going? What's very difficult to show is that 
there's this pathway. Yeah. Exactly. And I always say to anybody, look, what you need to do is to get up to the high walk. I call it the high walk because pedways aren't on any signs. I call it the high walk level because at this level, and here we are looking out over the lakes in the middle of the Barbican. This is sort of the central square, if you want to call it. And of course, you can't get across them. You have to go over the bridge, the Gilbert Bridge there. So if you aren't at that level and you're down below on lakeside level and you think, how on earth do I get to the Barbican Centre, which is across there? You need to go up across the bridge and then come down. So just to paint a picture here, so we've got these wonderful rectangular lakes with this dark green water. There's a little fountain. They're planted out with rushes and bits of lilies a bit further out. It's absolutely idyllic looking. Almost looks like an, an architect's design here. The original drawings, people having a leisurely time in this lovely warm summer sun. That, in the distance, is the back of the Barbican Theatre yep. centre, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the Barbican Centre there, yeah. And exactly. in front of us is the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. And we're still up on this kind of elevated one level up on one of these pedways and it's um yeah honestly if you've never been here before you should make a point on a visit to london coming and seeing this this is the first time i've when i've been to the barbican many times but i've never it's never crossed my mind to actually step over here and look at it from this perspective it's really remarkable yeah and we're looking over at the barbican center and the terrace there which is obviously where people can sit they can bring their sandwiches to sit and read but there's the cafe there as well and it's a really calming place to come i know lots of friends that come to the barbican just to sit around and read in this sort of very quiet area as opposed to coming actually for a performance of course the performances are out of this world as well they are Wow, all of this on your doorstep. No wonder it's popular. Yeah, where's your flat, Alison? Which one is it? I live She's in one of the tower blocks. She's pointing off to the left. Oh, you're one of the big tower blocks? Yeah. How I'm many? How many? 38th floor. 38th wow. floor! Wow, you must have mind-blowing views. Yeah, it is fantastic. I'm not jealous. Well, it, what I love is you're sort of really away from everything to be absolutely honest up there you don't get a lot of sound but you get this beautiful view of the sky all the time so you can see the weather coming in from Heathrow and going out to I don't know Barking and Dagenham and similarly north and south from you know Alexandra Palace down past the Shard etc so the weather is just fantastic up there and at the moment we've got well we do regularly have a peregrine nesting in one of the towers and in fact during Covid the first year of Covid they had five chicks so the whole of that first summer I was there and and the chicks and the birds the mother and father were flying around the the towers it was just really wonderful. Well I've learned an awful lot Alison thank you so much remind our listeners again of your book that they need to buy. Well my book is The City of London Who What Why it's only available at the Guildhall Art Gallery shop or through me i'm afraid i haven't syndicated it to anybody else so guilt all art gallery That's worth a visit it. anyway yeah yeah if this kind of thing floats you about but just to sort of like sum up what what lessons you know we can take particularly with the agenda of our podcast in mind you know how, how do you rethink what's going wrong basically 1960s architecture gets a bad rap for good reasons a lot of the time and you know it's getting ripped down uh, it needs to be replaced with something so does the Barbican teach us ultimately a lesson do you think about how to approach this with, with future developments that is really valuable and do you think you know, the, the attitude towards pedestrian life and the absence of cars from the Barbican is something that we've sort of like unlearned somehow and we need to look back at this and reconnect with as I said I think the Barbican is a very very successful village and ecosystem in its own right it was built with car parking spaces down below for people and at one time it was difficult to get a car parking space but now there are lots of car 
parking spaces to Is go right? because That's interesting. people have given up their cars they don't need cars anymore but and so it's all underground is it it's all underground yeah below levels and so that shows that people see the the connectivity of walking around the city and you know you almost always meet friends that you know and live with around these uh, walkways when you're going around and you've got obviously all the wonderful transport system that leads from it we've now got the elizabeth line right here at the barbican as well barbican end of farringdon and so it's clear that if we'd made this only for accessible by cars and and in that way i just don't think it would have worked now because the whole of the way that we work and live is so much more based on you know self-sufficiency getting around and the whole sustainability issue of not using cars not using uh, fossil fuels and even electric cars, you know, are a carbon drain. It's kind of maddening, isn't it, that this glaringly obvious bonus about the way this particular place has been designed hasn't spread throughout the country. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, clearly it's been known for a long, long time to have worked brilliantly well, yeah. and yet, you know, manifestly up and down the country, we've screwed it up by building, yeah. you know, environments that have been reliant on, and you know, and, and have failed. Yeah, we so, keep doing it. And we, we keep, keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's like the lessons never get learned. You get these wonderful experiments, some of which are quite successful, and it's just like it doesn't kind of sink in. But it is a wonderful place to be, and it is so relaxing in the sound of the water. And there's someone's got some enormous hanging plants which are just catching the light through um, under the balconies there, and it really is quite idyllic. It, it really does look like a sort of past vision of the future and it's yeah it's really quite wonderful well i'm going to get on my bike and battle the old kent roads to go home to south <laughs> oh, london nice. now not that i'm criminally jealous of your walk back to your uh, amazing accommodation but um, well, i thought i might leave you to try and find your way out of the barbican <laughs> all on your own <laughs> i'm not going to put that oh, on the no. podcast to be a three-hour podcast <laughs> alison thank you very much thanks laura and um, thanks. as ever that was at, um street head and if yeah. you like what you hear do rate, rate review, review, re- review us and what's with at Pod Street Ted, connect with us and spread the word. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.